The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Normally, we pray right about there. Uh, we're going to pray in a couple minutes. I have to start with a gripe. I felt bad praying and then griping. I thought the better order would be to gripe, and then I can repent and pray. Uh, that, that'll work better. My gripe is, uh, is not too serious a thing, but next week, I believe, is spring forward. We lose an hour of sleep. It's a little small gripe. But the other thing, if I understand this right, this is the last time we're doing that. And then we're going to see, you like that? I hate that. I wish we'd stay where we are. The mornings being darker and stuff later just doesn't make me excited. But anyway, that's my gripe. You get not, not just political gripe. It's a bipartisan gripe. I don't, I'm sick of both parties and what they did there. Uh, of all the things to do, that's what they did is they changed our time on that. But anyway, next week is spring forward. And then you got that? Okay, uh, the other thing I did want to add announcement-wise, uh, Upward is definitely Pastor Josh's thing, but I wanted to add something to that. He mentioned a magic show next week. The guy that's coming in to do magic show at 2 and 4, right, uh, for the Upward folks, is also a gospel presenter. So he uses the magic to present the gospel. I just want to mention that so that you're praying about that as the Upward season comes to a close next week. All righty? All right, Joshua chapters 8 and 9 today is where we're headed, so let, is, uh, let, let me remind myself of how much I need the Lord, and let's pray and ask Him to teach us this time. Father, um, yeah, that, that song that we sang is definitely the prayer of my heart this morning as I go into uh, wanting to teach Your Word in, uh, in a way that is beneficial to people. Um, I need You. And, and so, Lord, I surrender right now and just ask that you'd use this time uh, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, today, the theme as we go through 8 and 9 is the victory at AI. Oh, hey, by the way, this isn't really great, but I'll hit you with this one too. Last week, I told you that the technically the correct pronunciation for AI is I. Yeah, and then I went and said AI all the time. When have you ever known me to be right about anything technical? So, uh, but it was kind of weird because every time I would say AI, people would be looking like, he said it was I. Why doesn't he say it right? I'm just going to tell you straight up front, I'm going to keep calling it AI because I like saying AI. And, uh, and the highly intelligent pastors will say I. You know what that means. All uh, right, it has nothing to do with me. So we're gonna we're gonna stay with AI, but we're gonna talk about the victory at AI. We talked about the defeat there last week, and then we need to talk about those sneaky sneaks from Gibeah. And I love that story. We're gonna look at that in chapter nine in a couple minutes. There's a lot we can learn from both of those things. Now, as we've been going through Joshua, we've talked about this Christian life being a a pathway where we're walking in victory. Uh, victory that's already been won. We've talked about the idea that it is walking most definitely by faith. That's what we're learning to do. And uh, the most important element of that is that we are walking with God. And we'll dwell on that and come back to that a little bit more today as we go through our text. But one other thing that I need to pound home, and I know often repeated idea, I say this in different ways, but that the promised land that they moved into was also a problem land. In other words, life is hard, but God is good. Okay, I know we're not home yet, and there's still this journey. Pastor, you say that a lot. I'll tell you a little bit more why I say that so much and why I think it's so important that that be a, a repeated theme uh, when we get to that. So in our text today, we will look at uh, 
dismay that Joshua faced and how God dealt with that or what he told him. We'll look at that diverseness of God, which I love seeing that in there, the w- different ways that he instructed the children of Israel to win battles and the different ways he deals with us. We'll see them stop for a time of devotion, and then we get into chapter 9, and we'll talk about those guys that were uh, deceiving and how they deceived, but then we'll learn some lessons from them too because I actually kind of like them in the long run, the Gibeonites. Uh, so... If you Have you ever been more excited about a sermon in your entire life? Well, okay. We, we won't go there, but let's go ahead and dive into chapter 8, verse number 1. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear or be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise and go to Ai and see that I have given your hand the, into your hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. Now, remember last week, the children of Israel coming off their great victory at Jericho uh, said, hey, we got this. We're in control. We don't really need you right now, God, because Ai is going to be a nice little victory for us. We won't even send all our men up there. So they head up there and they end up running back with their tails between their legs uh, suffering a defeat there at Ai. But God, at the beginning of chapter 8, he's going to tell them how he is going to give them victory in Ai. But I just wanted to ad- address for a moment what God starts with telling Joshua. Joshua, you just experienced a defeat. Don't be dismayed. Instead, I want you to get up and go again. Okay? You've suffered a loss. You've suffered a setback. Let's get up and go again. Now, I know this is incredibly, you know, Simple. Again, if you want to say unprofound, is that a word? Uh, but it should be if it's, if it's not. But um, as we look at this here, we can, when we fall, we can be dismayed by our past, or we, and, and then we end up being afraid of the future. If we're going to live in the past, if we're going to hold on to it, if we don't see mistakes as opportunities, Henry Ford said, Uh, mistakes are great opportunities for us to try again intelligently. You've probably heard the story of Thomas Edison, uh, who, you know, after his failure, 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 he says, now I know 999 ways that it won't work, you know, that type of idea. This is a concept that carries into every area of life. When I fail, I got to get back up because we will fail. So it definitely carries into our spiritual walk with the Lord. When I fail, we need to get back up. Now, I don't want to oversimplify. We have a couple folks in here who work in the mental health department, and I'm not claiming in any way to be an expert on depression or anything like that. But even if that is something that troubles you, you still have to start with the idea, I'm going to get back up. Maybe my more intelligent way to fight this thing is to get some help, but I've got to get back up. I've got to go again. I can't stay down. So like I said, we realize this. I mean, if you go to a conference in business, they're going to tell you, you got to expect failure and you got to get back up. Uh, If you go to a sports, you know, inspirational speech, expect to fail sometimes. you got to get back up. Most definitely in the Christian life, I have to say the same thing to you. We will stumble. We will fall. I don't know what else to tell you then. Get back up. You know, I've tried that before, Pastor. I've tried the whole Bible reading thing, and I fell. Well, try again this time more intelligently. Learn from that and get back up. And if you fail that time, you know what you ought to do. Learn from that and get back up. Uh, I, I tried this whole thing of plugging in and get, being faithful to church attendance, but, man, I've tried I don't know how many times. I've messed up over and over again. I don't know what other t- to tell you than what Joshua com- I'm sorry, God comes to Joshua here and says, don't be dismayed. You, you can't stay down there. Get back up. Okay, I mean, again, I know that's not profound. It's incredibly simple, but sometimes that's, you know, we have to brush ourselves off again. You see, our adversary 
He is known as the accuser of the brethren, and I can guarantee you that he is always ready to stop and tell us, <laughs> come on, you've tried before. Come on, why even bother? But God's word is, uh, let's go, okay? We've experienced a failure. I have victory for you. Let us get back up. Okay, now we're going to jump ahead, uh, just one verse really, to verse number three, and look at the strategy. Now, let me remind you, uh, last week when we talked about AI, the first thing the children of Israel did is they looked and they said, we got this. Uh, we really don't need much. The spies went up, checked it out, said, Joshua, we don't even need to send everybody. Just send some of the forces up there. They went up there and they took a beating. They ended up running in defeat. Okay, remember that. But now there has been a repentance. There's been a coming back and seeking God. Let's see what happens on round two at AI. So Joshua and all the fighting men arose to go to AI. And Joshua chose 3,000, I'm sorry, that might say 30,000, mighty men of valor and sent them out by night. And he commanded them, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you remain ready. And I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. And when they come out to fight against us, just as before, we shall flee before them. Okay, you got the plan. Joshua says, okay, now... You guys, get around behind, lion ambush, you're ready. Okay, we're going to go up, and here's our strategy. We're going to run. Okay, we got a good plan. Uh, that's what we're going to do. We're, we're gonna, but if you think about it, watch what, it, remember last week, what did they do? They ran. God is going to take their failure, their miserable failure, and he is going to use this now to bring victory. Folks, okay, come on, get with me. If you're daydreaming, come back in and listen to what I just said. God is going to take their miserable failure, and he's going to use it to bring victory. Somebody smile. You don't have to yell amen or jump up and down, but think about that phrase for a second. God is going to take their miserable failure, and he is going to use it to bring victory. Come on, I feel like I'm the only energy source in the room right now. Uh, but we need it. We need to grab a hold of that and see what happens there. Okay, you did it wrong. Let's use that. Let's use your mistake. Let's use your failure. I love that. I don't know of any ministry that ministers to those who are struggling with uh, addiction or anything like that that isn't filled with people who understand that because they've been on the same path. But God has taken their failure and their mess in the past and taken it and used it. This is what our God does. I love this. Okay, thank you. Uh, me and one person. All right, and they will come out uh, after us until we have drawn. Okay, back in the plan. We're going to run. They're going to come out after us. They're, they're fleeing from us. They're going to say, hey, just like before, we got them on the run. So we will flee before them. Then they shall rise up from the ambush. I'm sorry, you shall rise up. You guys are going to the back. And you'll seize the city, for the Lord God will give it into your hand. Okay, you got the plan? He's using exactly what he has used before. And as soon as you have taken the city, you shall set fire to the city, and you shall do according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them out, and they went to the place of the ambush, and they lay between Beth, that lay between Bethel and Ai uh, to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent the night among the people. Okay, now, a couple things as we go through this. The Bible actually is full of great military strategies. When you talk about conquering the promised land, that's where we got the beginning of something that you've heard of, divide and conquer. 
Uh, God goes, takes them in first into Jericho and Ai and into the middle. And he divides up the promised land. Then he's going to attack the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, and he's going to take it in that way. Another strategy, though, that is very common is this whole idea, and the Romans uh, would use this later, too, where you get and you kind of suck the enemy in. You retreat and you suck the enemy in, and then they're surrounded. So the strategies of God have been, have been co- uh, copied many times, but I want us to see that um, God, okay, first of all, we got this idea. I, I want to go back to this. God will use the same thing. He'll use our failures, and then he'll bring victory. He will bring victory from our previous failures. But I also want us to see that the way that God uses a totally different strategy here at AI than what he used at Jericho. Remember Jericho? March around, march around, march around. I could keep going. You get the idea. Uh, the last day, march, 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 march. I can't count to seven, but you get, the, you get the idea, and the walls fall down. AI got a new plan. We're going to go up. We're going to run. Uh, when they chase, you guys are in the back. We got a plan. Totally different strategy. Again, a very important idea uh, that we need to learn about our God is that our, we have a God who uses diverse methods. That's why sometimes, you know, you, you know, people are like, well, they don't do it like we do. Or they, here's the phrase that has torn up more churches than anything. That's not the way we've always done it. Oh, man. We can fight about that right now. Uh, take, take a side. But the idea is God is not limited in his methods. And sometimes you look at something and say, okay, God was blessing this ministry or God was blessing this effort, but now he's not. Let's see where God wants to bless now. Let's move forward. You know, I'm I'm not preaching against tradition. I love tradition. I really do. I could sing it right now, tradition, Uh, but I won't do that. Uh, But I am saying sometimes we get so stuck in, hey, this is the way we've always done it. Well, we're happy for you, uh, but, but that's not always the way God is going to do it. I love that idea that God is diverse. I love it in my relationship with God, too. We, um, we spent some time with my daughter yesterday. I was just, every time I do with one or the other of my kids, it cracks me up how different they are. I don't, you know, how's that happen? You have two kids, and they're like opposites. When we were raising, uh, you know, my daughter, I could, we'll say control, that's probably not the best word, but it's true, Uh, control her with merely a look, you know what I mean? You give her a dirty look and she melts. And uh, and right away, you know, it's it's like and by, and the other thing about it is, once that happens, I have to work to rebuild that connection because she's hiding from me. <laughs> That's bad, my son. He never had a clue I was mad. I uh, streamed bloody murder, and he hey, Dad, let's go play basketball. Travis, I'm mad at you. Do you get it? Stop acting like your mother. No, I didn't say that. Uh, sometimes I, I thought that, but the total difference between the two of them is astounding. But then, therefore, I had a different relationship with him. I love that about our God. Not every one of us, our relationship looks exactly the same. But, um, but God desires that closeness could be different. That's who God is. And God does some things differently, works differently in our life. His timing might be different. Every, you know, the time that it takes, you know, we don't have a certain set plan. Hey, this is how it is definitely going to work out. Let's go on. As I get, I'm going to jump to the end. I think this is 30 and 31. I didn't put those numbers up there of chapter uh, 8 still. And here's what happens after the victory. At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal. And, and uh, actually, there's two mountains there. 
that uh, fascinating study about the sacrifices they did and everything there, but we're really just going to focus on the idea that they stopped here. And just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded them, the people of Israel, as written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool, and they offered on burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. Okay, what they did here, and you find this in the end of chapter 8, really from verse 30 on down to verse number 35, is they stopped and they said, we are going to have a time of worship. Okay, we are going to stop. We're going to focus on God again. Now, the enemy, in the meantime, is plotting. They've heard about the victory of Jericho and Ai, and they're devising a plan, but, but uh, God says, hey, the most important thing that you need to do here is you need to stop and focus on me. Okay. As the enemy devises plans, I want you to remember this statement. Satanic strategy is best overcome by divine proximity. Okay, let me say that again. Satanic strategy, we have an enemy who knows us and knows us well. He's been following mankind and fighting mankind for centuries. Okay, he knows us. He studies us. He, under, he understands how to win. But as he plans that, as he develops his strategy for defeat in our lives, our best weapon is divine proximity. What I'm saying is we are to be close to God. We want to draw close to him. If I was... Um, you know, talking to you about safeguarding my marriage. Let's say, you know, I want to ha- I want to make sure that my marriage uh, is protected. It is what we'll say a fair proof, that type of thing. What should I do? You say, well, there's some rules you should have. Uh, you need to go to the old Billy Graham rule. You know, you never have lunch, you know, alone with a woman or, or whatever like that. Uh, you know, and different rules like that. I don't want to have, I don't want to develop a, a friendship and a connection that's, even though it's not sexual, it's, it's inappropriate. I don't want to be too close, you know, where women are my best buddies, you know, like, like, like that. I just, that's not wise to do. Okay, that's one, one thing over here. I want to have these rules. But what is the most important thing I can do to safeguard my marriage? And that is invest in my marriage. Focus on that uh, and, and my love uh, for her and my devotion to her and focus on strengthening that. Now, ideally, I'm going to do both things. But if the uh, truth is, if I have to pick, I want to go over here. I want to focus on uh, learning and developing uh, to love my wife well, to make her sure she, that she knows she's loved, and to, and to build that relationship. That's the key. I'm saying the same thing about us spiritually. How do we avoid spiritual adultery walking away from God? We invest in our relationship to God. So the question comes, um, how are you investing in that relationship to God? Pastor, I'm struggling right now with my faith. Well, again, I'm going to be super simple here, but where are you reading the Bible? Well, not actually doing that right now. But, well, then, you know, maybe that would be a good place to start. In fact, I mentioned the passage 31 through 35. In 35, it says, here's what they did. They were, there was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before them. He read them the Word of God. He read them Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and he read that to them. We need the Word of God. But I don't so much... Uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm really struggling. How about, uh, how about church? Are you going to church? Sometimes. The uh, church attendance in this country, you're probably well aware of this, has taken a hit with COVID. And sometimes it's, it's just, and I want to say this too. I think a lot of people, 
again, just talking candidly with you here for a second, I think a lot of us, no, I think all of us know somebody who attended church faithfully and was a fill in the blank. They were a jerk outside of church. Okay, I think all of us know some, and unfortunately sometimes it was somebody in our family, and it was very hard. So we kind of think, hey, if that's what going to church gets you, forget it. I'm not going to do that. And we forget that God has ordained the church. He's of the church. He wants us to come together and take this time to worship him together. Okay? And we're, we're again, we're focused on that person that we find. I understand that. I do. And that, you know, that's why I said I think all of us could list somebody that would say, hey, I mean, the Bible tells us that there will be tares among the wheat that grow up together. And there are going to be, be people, and I'll say that they're phonies. But we have used that as an excuse. We have, you know, I'll throw cliches at you here. We've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, bath and we've just said, well, then, therefore, I don't need church because look what it did for him. Look what it did for her. You know, we've all known folks like that, but it does not provide excuse for us to say we do not need to stop and worship God. We need to draw close to him. Yikes. I just looked at the time. Guys, have any lunch reservations? No, I'm just. Uh, we'll get moving here. We're going to go into Joshua chapter nine. I told you I love this story, the story of the Gibeonites. We're going to take the time to read through it, just kind of talk about it as we go. As soon as all the kings were beyond the Jordan in the hill country, in the lowland, and the coast of the Great Sea, and the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, uh, not the Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Termites, Jebusites, uh, heard of it. They all gathered together, and they're going to fight against Joshua and Israel. Now I told you while Israel's worshiping. The enemy's plotting. Okay, that's what they're doing. And they're going to form an alliance. We're going to talk about combating that alliance next week. But first, something else happens. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done uh, to Jericho and to Ai, they went, uh, I'm sorry, they on their part, instead of forming an alliance, they acted with cunning. And they went and they made ready provisions and took, they took worn out old sacks uh, for their donkeys and wineskins and worn out and torn and mended uh, clothes and sandals and put those on. And all their provisions were dry and crumbly. There's actually a translation that says they, their food was old and moldy. I love that. <laughs> the cheese is old and moldy. Um, and they went to uh, Joshua at the camp of Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant country. Okay, they didn't. They were 15 miles away. Okay, they said, we've come from a distant country. So make a covenant with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, uh, perhaps you live among us. Then how can we make a covenant with you? Then Joshua said, I'm sorry, they said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where did you come from? And they said, we have come from a very distant country. And your, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. It's interesting. We've come because of the name of the Lord your God, which is good, but it's also, I want to give you a word of caution. Sometimes we're suckers for anybody who throws God's name around. That politician said, God bless you at the end. I'm voting for him. Uh, just be careful because it can be something that is used to deceive us. Okay, sometimes like that, you know, this business has, you know, a fish on it. So uh, we can trust them. Maybe, maybe they like fish. Okay, uh, they, uh, so anyway, uh, they said we're come from a very distant country because of the name of the Lord your God, for we have heard a report of him and all that he did in Egypt. Now, they're smart. They didn't mention Jericho and Ai because if they came from a car far country, they wouldn't have known that. So they just talked about the things that they'd heard about in the past. 
Uh, so then I'm, I'm going to jump down here to the middle. Take provisions in your hand for the journey and go to meet them and say, we are your servants. Come and make a covenant with us. Here's our bread. Look at it. <laughs> it was still warm uh, when, they, when they took it from our houses. But now look at it. Now it's dry and it's crumbly. It's old and it's moldy. These wineskins, they were new when we first filled them. Now they're a mess. Our garments, they, we just went to TJ Maxx. We had new stuff. But now, look at it. Everything is worn out. You understand what their little plan here? They're 15 miles away, but they have deceived. They have disguised what they've done here. And, and they've said, uh, we have come a long way. Will you make a covenant with us? So the men took some of their provisions, but they did. Whoa. What's that say? The men took some of their provisions. Wait a minute. But did not ask the counsel from the Lord. Come on. We just saw that last week. You remember that? They wanted Joshua, but when they went to Ai, I was like, hey, we don't need God on this one. Here we are. Same old story. Did I mention a lot of times in the Christian life you need to get up, and then you need to get up again because you're going to mess up, and you think, I messed up last time, and I said did the same dumb thing, but here we go again. Okay, so here's... So they did not ask the counsel of God. They did sample the provision. Hey, remember last week we talked about Proverbs chapter 3, that verse that says that we are to uh, uh, go not according to our own understanding, but seek the Lord. Here's their own understanding. Yeah, we'll taste that. Ooh, that is old and moldy. <laughs> yeah, I get it. According to their understanding, everything, you know, they had it down here, but they did not seek the counsel of God. Man, if we could get that in our noggins. Somebody said we're better off to ask directions 10 times than to go down the wrong road once. I'm, I'm driving a uh, school bus one day, and, uh, okay, if I go out, Carrie, if I come to the end of Davis, like, Carrie, Carrie, I'm talking to you about, uh, she's not listening to me. Uh, the, the, you go to the end of Davis Lake Road, what, what is that, North Shore? The end of Davis Lake, and you make a left? Well, you can go right where the hose used to live. But anyway, all right, you're out there. I'm driving a school bus, and the direction said, make a left. So I did, and then I was looking for this house. Well, I don't know if you've ever been out there. It's a windy road. It's real pretty. Not a great place to drive a school bus, but uh, I'm driving through. I'm driving along there, keep going, looking for this address and try to figure out what's going on. Pretty much I've seen a sign, you know, it's like Canada, 10 miles. Uh, I just kept going uh, like that. And finally, I stopped, and I called out the girl's name. I was looking for a house. I said, Dave. Where's your house? She said, <laughs> that's 10 minutes back. Yeah, uh, like that. Let's uh, say I got in a little late that night for dinner, but I uh, took a little extra trip there. But we do that. We get going down the wrong road, and, uh, and we just keep going down it. Hey, when you realize you're on the wrong road, stop. Stop. When you realize you haven't sought God again, here you are going off doing your own thing, maybe it's time to stop. Josh, but here's what Joshua did. He didn't counsel, seek the counsel of the Lord. Instead, he made peace with them. He made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. Now, three days later, he finds out, no, they're just 15 miles down the road. And the people of Israel set out and reached their cities on the third day. But... As we read on there, the people of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them. There may be a situation in life where you give your word and to keep it, you would, it would result in harm to other people and a very negative thing, and you might have to reconsider that. I don't know, but I do know this. The Bible says that he that sweareth to his own hurt, in Proverbs, sweareth to his own hurt, he says he will do something. Uh, he needs to keep it.
And in most every situation, the answer, I think, is to keep your word, and that's what Israel did. In fact, there's a story later on where the Israel's kind of fallen apart, and what had happened is the king Saul had not kept his word and began to punish these people. And when David explored what was going on, he found out what had happened, and he had to go back and make it right because they had a covenant with these people, and they were going to keep it. So two wrongs weren't going to make it right. Uh, so therefore, they said they had to keep their word. We have sworn by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we may not touch them and this will do, this we will do to them uh, let them live lest wrath be upon us because of the oath we swore to them and the leader said to them let them live so here's what they did they became cutters of wood and drawers of water for the congregation just as the leaders have said to them now it's it's interesting kind of stay with me here quick quick history lesson for about 500 years, you can trace the fact that the Gibeonites served in the temple. They served closest to the priests and everything like that. They served the people of Israel. We're not going to hurt you. We're going to make you servants. Well, everything that you read indicates that was not a bad relationship at all. In fact, it was a good relationship. There are time later when the Gibeons fight along with them, for them, uh, along with Israel. They develop a very uh, good situation. So they honored their commitment to God. And God, <laughs> okay, when you make a mistake, make that mistake work for you. Okay, in this case, God's going to make it work for you. Uh, he is going to uh, make them the servants that are bringing wood for the temple for the sacrifices and the water that is needed for the basin and everything like that. They are going to serve in the temple. Listen to that phrase, though. When you make a mistake, make that mistake work for you. Wait a minute. Did we see at the beginning that God had taken what they had did and turned it and, and gave them a victory out of that very same mess they had done at Ai? And now we see with the Gibeonites that God says, do you get the idea that our God redeems our messes? Okay? We got to get that idea. We got to hold on to that. If we're going to remember that this promised land is also a problem land, well, let, let's get back to that for a second. Let me finish with one other thing about the Gibeonites that I love. From the very beginning, uh, they looked and they said, you know what? We don't want to fight with God. <laughs> we're not they were smart enough. Okay, they, they were pretty smart people because they had this good plan with the old clothes and the cheese and everything like that. But also, uh, they were smart enough just to realize we can't be God. We need to learn from them. We need to understand, you know, it's not going to work doing it our way instead of God's way. We're not going to fight. We're not going to win that, that battle. Let us surrender our lives to him. Let us surrender our messes to him. Let us surrender our failure to him and watch him do great things out of it. You know, I'm going to um, speed up here to the end and get back to that phrase. By the way, I promised you more of a spring look this week. Do you like the little flowers and everything? Uh, we're, we got rid of the winter trees, and, and we're moving forward on that. But um, what we are seeing in our culture, and it's not unique to today's culture. Uh, we have always someone see this, but we see a lot of people who basically say, I have a hard time believing in a God that allows bad things to happen. There's bad things in the world, and especially if they're happening in my life. Because we are looking to have our pain taken away. That's, that's just our culture. We want everything. We want everything bad taken away. If I could sell that, I'd put it on a billboard at the end of our parking lot. And uh, if you guys don't know, we have a nice little uh, relief. Find relief. And, but when you, by the way, 
Just say this real fast. I've had a couple people, in case you're thinking, you know, I would pay to have that taken down. We can't. It's under contract right now. But uh, maybe someday we won't have the marijuana sign at the end of the parking lot. But if you think of it, uh, that what are people looking for? I mean, what are, what are they looking for? Not, not just in that, but in so many different things. I'm looking to have hard times taken away. Yeah, I, I'm looking, at, hey, if this will just solve all my problems and take all my problems away, that's all. And what I am saying and trying to repeatedly say is, <laughs> we're not home yet. And in this world, we are going to have problems. And here are the children of Israel who are marching in victory and marching by faith. We watch them continue to mess up. And we understand that the promised land that God has given them is also a problem land. But what we need to hold on to and grab on to is what I was talking about before, that as we walk through this land, we have a God who is working in redeeming our situation, our mess, our very souls. As we go through uh, Good Friday and, and Easter this year, you know, obviously we're going to talk again about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Actually, we want to be talking about that all the time because that is the message of Scripture that God redeems us in our mess and in our failure. That is the message. That is the message. That God entered into our situation, that God entered into our mess to redeem to bring something good out of it. And we watched that today. Okay, wait a minute. Those morons, they messed up at AI. They didn't talk to God. They just went charging up there with half the men they were supposed to, or less than half the men. They said, we, we can win this. We got this. We don't need God. And God says, you know what? I'm going to take that mess that you had, and we're going to turn that around. Next time you go up there, let's do the same running thing. That'll work. That'll work. Uh, and, but, I, but this time, we're ready for it. And then they get to the next thing, and they make a bad deal with the Gibeonites. Uh, and they say, uh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, you know, rather than asking God, we'll just test the cheese. Oh, yeah, that's some bad cheese. Uh, and, uh, you know, so they're not smart again. But what does God do? God takes that mess that they did, that they caused, okay? And what happens? The Gibeonites then are serving, and they're faithful in the temple. And you know, many believe that they, many became you know, followers of God because of what happened there, the closeness that they were to the temple and the worship of God and involved in that. And God says, I'm going to take this, I'm going to bring something beautiful out of it. That's our God, okay? Very simple. That is our God. He takes our man. Well, I just wish all the problems would go away. They will. But again, my message has to be, that's not where we are right now. Right now, we're walking through this promised land. God has promised we can walk in victory. God has said, walk by faith and trust him. But I have to tell you, the promised land is a problem land. Okay? Think how popular I could be if I could make all your problems go away. But that's not where we are on this earth. Where we are is Jesus has said, I will be with you, and I will work to redeem your mess. Okay? And someday that redemption will be complete. We know that promise of a God who cannot lie. But for right now, I continue to trust him that even, and you know, this is an encouragement. Go ahead, mess up. God will use it. Uh, but, what I'm, but even when I mess up, God takes it and brings something beautiful. Don't you love that about God? Don't you, don't you love that? And we see that over and over again throughout Scripture, that theme of our God who redeems shows up over and over again. Um, Barry and David and, and Candace, if you come up, uh, we are going to, patience. Do we have a Candace? 
And if we do, could you play the piano? Uh, or could you learn real fast? Maybe not. I got, hey, two out of three is pretty good uh, at my age. But, uh, but uh, as we do, I'm sorry, I'm trying to, do we want, what was the first song we sang? Unstoppable God or My Lighthouse. Now let's go Unstoppable God. He is unstoppable. Let, 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 let's close with that. As we do, I, I just want to remind you, you know, me, hey, honestly, maybe you're sitting there and you say, okay, been here before, but I keep messing up. Okay, maybe in, the step that you need to take is try again wiser. Maybe that wiser step is to get some help. Okay, and I want you to know I would love to, Pastor Josh, I, the elders, we would love in any way we can to try to be that help. So if you wanted to say, hey, Pastor, can we get together sometime this week or can I talk to you right now? I would love to do everything that I can to, to jump in there and, and be some help with that. God is in the business of redemption. Okay, let's praise him as we stand together. Father, we just praise you one more time, the God who redeems, the God who takes a sin-cursed world and brings wonderful things out of it and then who promises us of a day when he rules and reigns in complete perfection. Lord, may these truths bolster us. May they help us to navigate a problem world through faith and devotion to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You're out of here. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.